Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the reversal of Roe v. Wade has motivated and mobilized those determined to preserve the option of abortion for women in the state. But is it a losing battle? We'll speak with the executive director of Pro-Choice Ohio. Also this morning, to your health for Men's Health Month, help for millions who suffer with benign prostatic hyperplasia, otherwise known as BPH. And it's an old-fashioned 4th of July ice cream social, highlighting this month's events at the Hancock Historical Museum. Sarah Sisser will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. It is the Feast of St. Peter and Paul today, honoring the martyrdom of Peter and Paul, two of the most well-known saints who helped spread Christianity in its early days. Feast of St. Peter and Paul today. Also, National Waffle Iron Day, so there is that. National Almond Butter Crunch Day, National Camera Day, National Parchment Day, And today is Hug Holiday Day, so give somebody a hug today, just randomly. You may later have some explaining to do. (laughs) You can tell them it's Hug Holiday Day, so I'm sure people will love that. Just go up to somebody on the street and give them a hug. See what kind of reaction you get. (laughs) So, uh, camera day today. I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Remember when the camera was a specific device (laughs) and not just something on our phones you know that today is the uh, anniversary of the very first iphone going on sale 15th anniversary and when i saw that i said to myself only 15 years it seems like smartphones have been around forever at this point because they become such an integral part of our lives but it's really only been 15 years at the most, and honestly, probably fewer years than that for most of us, because you remember the iPhone, when it was first introduced in 2007, went on sale to the public on June 29th. It was unveiled in January of that year by Apple CEO and co-founder Steve Jobs at their Macworld convention in January of 2007, introduced the world to the iPhone It built up a lot of buzz, and then on this day, June 29th, 2007, the very first iPhone became available to the public. But you remember when it was first introduced, it was an exclusive to AT&T. The only way you could get an iPhone was on uh, AT&T. No other carrier had the iPhone, and being that it was the first smartphone, it was how many years before? It was like two or three years before... Uh, it was no longer exclusive to AT&T. And because most folks around here anyway uh, were on other carriers, most notably Verizon, um, didn't have the smartphone, the first generation uh, iPhone. And, uh, of course, there were no other smartphones out at the time. So long and short of it is I got to thinking, yeah, 15 years ago, the first smartphone, but for many of us, it's fewer years than that. I think uh, it was. it's probably only been 10 years that I've had a smartphone. Um, and there were a fair number of people when the iPhone was introduced that were unsure whether this would catch on. Because, yeah, it was a device that was a phone, a media player, a camera, uh, an internet surfing device. But I remember a lot of tech critics saying people already have all of these devices already. Why would they buy another device that does all of the things that they have devices that already do? What they fail to realize, of course, is that only having one device to do all of those things was uh, immeasurably more convenient. And the nature of technology is that it's disposable. So, yeah, at the time we had an MP3 player and we had a camera and we had a phone But the idea, when it came time to upgrade all those things, why would you not just get one device that did all of those things and more? 
Obviously, the rest, as they say, is history, but it was uh, this date in 2007, 15 years ago, the very first iPhone went on sale. An estimated 1 billion people now use iPhones, not to mention the other uh, smartphone devices, Androids, and so on. It seems like everybody has tried to get into the game, but uh, not everyone has been successful. Uh, Windows had the uh, Windows phone. Uh, Microsoft had the Windows phone. That flopped. BlackBerry tried to uh, rework their uh, business-centered devices as smart devices. That flopped. The iPhone, still going strong. So, uh, for the July holiday, right around the corner now, and this might affect who you invite to your big barbecue, nearly 57% of Americans... In a new poll by OutdoorLiving.com, 57% of Americans consider a hot dog a sandwich. You want to start an argument at your 4th of July barbecue, bring this up. 57% of Americans consider a hot dog a sandwich. And the argument is, it's meat surrounded by bread, it's a sandwich. Although it doesn't take the typical conventional sandwich form. So is it or is it not? Uh, this uh, poll asked thousands of Americans about their summer food likes and dislikes and about their possibly unpopular food opinions, such as whether a hot dog is a sandwich. Um, there are some other interesting findings in this poll. Far more baby boomers, by the way, feel that hot dogs are sandwiches compared to those in Generation Z. So there is a generational gap here. Survey also revealed that 12.6% feel that microwaved hot dogs beat grilled hot dogs. 12.6%. I want to know who those people are because they are officially disinvited from all of my uh, 4th of July activity. Who thinks that a microwaved hot dog is better than a grilled hot dog? Who thinks that? 12.6. That's more than 1 in 10. That's just... I, I tell you what, that, that will be the end of America as we know it. <laughs> if that idea catches on, well, we're doomed. I mean, just... There's more, more can you say. Also from the survey, 34.1% of those in the uh, survey consider ketchup a fruit. Not a fruit. But I don't, th I don't consider ketchup a vegetable either. I mean, I know it's derived from tomatoes. And that the reason why you know, ketchup is it a fruit is because technically the tomato is a fruit. It's got the seed inside, seeds inside. And yes, I get it. We typically think of those as, as vegetables. But... Uh, Technically, they're, they're fruits. However, I don't consider ketchup either. Ketchup is a condiment. It's not either one. But anyway, 34% uh, of those in the poll say ketchup is a fruit. And uh, speaking of which, 52.6% of those in the poll say they put ketchup on their pizza. Again, I, I don't know if that includes the 12.6% who feel that microwave hot dogs are better than grilled ones, but I suspect that they are many of the same people, don't you? Um, and it has to be. This was kind of interesting from this poll. 15% uh, admit that they put their cheese below the burger. And that's just, that's just wrong. That's just the wrong order. It goes bun, condiments, Patty, cheese, bun. That's the order. That's the proper order. <laughs> I I don't actually. That's that's not true. I cheese above and be, uh, above and below is really not that big a deal to me. You know what's a big deal to me on my burgers? I don't like the condiments on top of the cheese. Whatever whatever side the cheese is on, the condiments have to go on the other side. <laughs> This is just my OCD with burgers. Uh, I can't put the condiment, uh, condiments on top of the cheese. The condiments go on the burger. And if they're not touching the burger, <laughs> then uh, then that's gross to me. I can't stand it when 
you know, I have mayo on top of my cheese. I I just <laughs> for some reason that's a that's a big deal to me. Um <laughs> When it comes to grilling, the majority, 40.4%, uh, preferred their burgers done medium, uh, 22% medium rare, 16.6% say well done, 3.1% say they want their burgers rare. Don't even bother to throw it on the grill. Just slap some meat in a bun and I'm good. Um, by the way, uh, when it comes to wings, is another 4th of July Staple, 63.3% say that they prefer boneless wings to bone in. And you know what those are? Chicken nuggets. That's, <laughs> I mean, they're just glorified chicken nuggets. I, you have to have the bones. You have to have the bones. Otherwise, you're just, you're just doing chicken nuggets. That sounds, anyway, kind of interesting. Uh, you can compare that to your Fourth uh, of July backyard barbecue plans. Um, speaking of surveys and parties, this I thought was kind of interesting. A new survey says 57% of Americans want to hang out with their friends at least once a month. Uh, so we got a big, uh, event coming up this weekend, obviously, where folks will be hanging out. 69% say that they have mastered the art of hosting parties, but it seems some need some help. This poll of 2000 Americans sponsored by Chinette, the paper plate company. Um, or more than a few meals to be served up on Chinette plates this weekend. Um, poll of 2000 Americans sponsored by Chinette finds that three in 10 admit that they have forgotten to buy food for their get togethers. <laughs> Who does that? Who forgets to buy food? Um, other last minute oopsies include forgetting to buy disposable plates and cups. Again, remember who sponsored the poll. Um, <laughs> bear in mind the source of the survey is a company that sells both. Um, survey also revealed that people anticipate spending an average of $152 on each gathering. But that usually goes out the window with last-minute purchases of of drinks and ice and, and things like that. Soft drinks and ice and... But it's worth it, respondents say. 74%, nearly three in four of those polled, consider getting together with friends as good for their health as a therapy session. So just don't forget the food. (laughs) Who forgets the food? Dear, we're having a party this weekend. We remembered everything. Oh, the food. We got to remember the food. I don't know. That's just weird. There you go. Uh, Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories. To start your uh, Wednesday morning as we head toward the second half of the week, the big 4th of July holiday this weekend. Don't forget the food! WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high around 85. It'll be mostly clear tonight, a low of 64. The Seneca County Board of Commissioners has passed a resolution opposing a proposed expansion of the Sunny Farms landfill. WTOL 11 is reporting that Wynn Waste, the operator of the landfill, wants to bring in more garbage from outside the state, going from the current 7,500 tons a day up to 12,000 tons. That 7,500 tons is 15 million pounds a day, mm. expanding to 12,000 tons, which is 24 million pounds. That's Commissioner Mike Kirshner. Also opposing the expansion are the Seneca County General Health District and the city of Fostoria. Get more on the website. Governor DeWine has postponed the last execution that was set for this year for a man convicted of killing a Cleveland police officer. The ruling comes as Ohio's death penalty remains at a standstill, with the governor repeatedly saying no drugs for execution are available. DeWine's announcement came days after a defense attorney argued capital punishment should be off the table for his client, who was charged in the 2016 killing of eight family members in southern Ohio. Attorney John Parker says it's unreasonable to hold a death penalty trial while the law is not functioning. Dave James, I went in news. Ohio native Joe Burrow is trending on social media in the wake of last week's big U.S. Supreme Court decision. The Cincinnati Bengals quarterback posted an abortion rights message on Instagram. In it, he shared multiple scenarios of women who have needed abortions, and he ended his post saying this. 
Quote, you can argue and say that I'm pro-choice all you want, but the truth is I'm pro-life, their lives, women's lives. I'm Angela Ann. Marathon Petroleum is unveiling a new look for Marathon-branded gas stations. The company says customers will still be welcomed with the familiar red, white, and blue colors, while a retooled logo, channel letters, and illumination will capture people's attention during the day and night. Marathon's testing the new look at some Finley locations ahead of a full launch later in the summer. Remember, you can get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, now our cover story this morning, continuing what has become sort of a week-long series on where we go from here after the reversal of Roe v. Wade at the Supreme Court late last week. And I think it's important to take so much time to talk about this because not only is it an emotional and politically divisive issue, but also because it is one that we are dealing with now on an entirely new level than at any point in the last half century. So... Earlier this week, we discussed the subject from the pro-life perspective. This morning, we are joined by Kelly Copeland, Executive Director of Pro-Choice Ohio. And Kelly, from your perspective, clearly a setback, but it couldn't have been entirely unexpected given all of the signs that the court had been moving to the right on this issue. Uh, Thank you, Chris, for having me on your program. And of course, because of the leak, we uh, anticipated that the Supreme Court was poised to roll back the basic human right of a bodily autonomy. Um, Unfortunately, um, we were um, frankly shocked by the speed with which the six-week ban was allowed to go into effect in the state of Ohio and were heartbroken that patients had to be called that very evening to have their um, appointments for the following day canceled. The clinic workers, when they called their patients, the patients wailed and cried and were devastated because they didn't know when or where they would be able to get access to care. Um, Fortunately, there has been an incredible effort by pro-choice activists and abortion funds to raise money and to create systems so that we can get people out of state to access the care that they need. Um, But that really shouldn't have to happen in a place like Ohio, which used to be a medical destination state with some of the the best health care in the world. And now we have medical refugees fleeing the state of Ohio. You reference, of course, the uh, heartbeat bill, which is now the law in Ohio, which is, as we mentioned yesterday, actually more restrictive than the Mississippi law, which triggered the Supreme Court case that overturned Roe. Are you resigned to the fact that this is now the law of the state, or do you see some sort of legal challenge that could be successfully argued to have that uh, overturned and rescinded? Of course not. Um, We will never surrender to this tyranny um, against our basic human rights. We know that the ACLU plans to mount a legal legal challenge in state court, and we support that. And if necessary, we will uh, mount a ballot initiative to secure the right um, to access abortion in the state of Ohio. And we believe that the majority of Ohioans will support that effort. I guess that also kind of answers my next question, uh, because, again, as we've been talking uh, earlier this week on the program, pro-life advocates are on record as not being satisfied to stop with a heartbeat bill. They want an outright ban, period. They've been very clear about that. What are you doing to stop that from happening? Well, I think the first thing that we need to focus in on is, is not the politics, but the people who are impacted. Everyone, everyone knows someone and loves someone who had an abortion. This is not a political football. This is about the real lives and the health care of people that you know and that you love. And that is what we're most concerned about. We know that these bans on abortion, whether they're at six weeks or whether they're complete bans, will impact everyone. 
But there are communities that will be more gravely impacted. Black people, indigenous people, other people of color, certainly people who live in rural communities uh, where travel is a bigger issue. People who are struggling to make ends meet, disabled, um, you know, people who are um, LGBTQ people or non-binary, people who already are living on the margins and have difficulties accessing health care. And so, you know, when it comes to at what point politicians think that they should be making these decisions for us, um, we will we will fight that um, because we believe that, like in Roe, Roe said that you have a constitutional right to make your own health care decisions. Dobbs says that the government gets to make those decisions if they so choose. We will always fight that tyranny. You mentioned the possibility of a ballot initiative uh, that would uh, restore uh, the right to an abortion in Ohio. Uh, I would assume that would be a, a uh, putting that into the uh, Ohio Constitution. That is a uh, long and arduous process. I, I suppose on on a certain level, uh, it is rather fortunate that this decision came down when it did with the legislature uh, in recess, or we may already have a ban in place right now. Uh, does that give you some lead time in order to mount this offensive, I guess, for lack of a better term? It is, um, according to the uh, legis- uh, according to the uh, electoral calendar, it is too late for us to put something on the ballot for this year. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's not something that's available to us right now. I will say that I believe very strongly that the, the constitution of the state of Ohio already protects our right to have an abortion. And I do believe that um, when that is litigated in state court, that that will be the ruling of uh, of the courts, so long as um, the people who are sitting on the Supreme Court of the state of Ohio are not a bunch of people who were chosen for political purposes, but who are judges who will rule consistent with what the law says already. Certainly a strong statement. Now, in the meantime, uh, Governor DeWine pointed to the state's investment of more than a billion dollars to provide things like prenatal care, parenting classes, mentoring, education, nutrition assistance. Uh, Representative Cross on this program yesterday uh, talked about uh, legislation making it easier uh, for adoptive families, uh, making it easier and and, and less costly uh, to uh, make that uh, process more accessible to families. Certainly, you can agree that uh, those types of things, those investments and that uh, type of legislation uh, is a good thing, and in many cases long overdue. Is that perhaps a, a silver lining in the sense that it will be more critical now than ever? I think that is all PR smoke and mirrors. Number one, adoption is not an alternative to pregnancy. It's an adult, it's an, uh, an alternative to parenting. And of course, we have always supported things that make it easier for birth parents and adoptive parents to create families through that, through that mechanism. But that is not an alternative to pregnancy or abortion. That is an alternative to parenting. So that's number one. Number two, as to the governor's so-called $1 billion, that's just a website that repackages things that have already been done. This is not new money. And if you, if you want to know, um, it is completely insufficient. We don't even have a minimum unpaid maternity leave for people in Ohio. People in Ohio do not have any guarantee that if they continue a pregnancy and have a C-section, that their job will be protected, that they won't get fired because they can't come back to work. We don't have even a minimum wage that people can live on and have children. When we asked for funding to help people, they put $7.5 million allegedly for diapers, but they ran it through 
so-called crisis pregnancy centers, which are really just organizations designed to talk people out of having abortions. And the and the and they said that oh, this is going to go for diapers, but they could have put that seven and a half million dollars on SNAP and WIT cards and made it go directly to diapers without all the overhead of the staff and the buildings for these anti-choice organizations. So when I hear the governor or other politicians talk about all of these resources that they're supposedly providing for people, I don't look at what they say. I look at what they do. And what they do has never been enough. We have just a, uh, about a minute or so left, and I do want to ask uh, this question. You uh, referenced uh, this not being a uh, political football of an issue, but then there is that reality. And in our conversation earlier this week with the president of Ohio Right to Life, he basically challenged those on your side of this issue to go to the polls, vote in those who share your views, and would legislate accordingly. Now, I know that that is precisely what you plan to do. I wonder, is this uh, on on some level, perhaps easier now that you can focus on this as a fight at the state level instead of a national level. It's easier to win state elections than it is national elections. Well, I think part of the reason that Mike Ganondakis is so confident is that he has been part of gerrymandering the state legislative districts in the state of Ohio so that they're among the worst in the country. They have been deemed so bad that five times the state Supreme Court has ruled them to violate the Constitution of the state of Ohio, which was amended by 70% of the voters of Ohio. So Mike DeWine and the other members of the redistricting commission five times defied the will of the people of Ohio. They have gerrymandered the state and manufactured a two-thirds majority that does not represent the state of Ohio. That is why they are attempting to capture the majority of the state Supreme Court so that they can have a new court that will stop calling them to account so that they can rule the state of Ohio with impunity. They don't want to represent us, Chris. They want to rule us. And every one of your listeners should be concerned about that regardless about how they feel personally about abortion. We will have to leave it there. Clearly, the battle line's being drawn. Again, Kelly Copeland, Executive Director of Pro-Choice Ohio, with us this morning. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time, sharing your perspective. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's an absolute privilege, Chris. Well, June is Men's Health Month, and to your health this morning, even though summer is upon us, many men, primarily those age 45-plus, will not get to enjoy it as much as the rest of us do their struggle with BPH, also known as an enlarged prostate. Dr. John Casper is a urologist for Teleflex Interventional Urology. Dr. Casper, what is BPH, first of all, and what kind of an impact does this have on the everyday life of those who have it? Uh, BPH is basically stands for benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is the normal growth of the prostate. Um, not cancerous and doesn't progress to cancer. The prostate um, is a walnut-sized organ that sits under the bladder in men uh, and surrounds the urine tube. And as we age, the prostate grows. And as the prostate grows, it's like two walls caving in. And when it caves in, uh, we have some symptoms of urinary frequency, urgency, uh, can't make it to the bathroom, uh, getting up at night. That's one of the big impacts because we lose sleep. The things are, it affects over 12 million men and it progresses as we age. So, uh, as you were saying, this is something that happens naturally. It's not necessarily abnormal for something like this to uh, develop in men. Does that mean that uh, eventually every man is, uh, is going to uh, deal with this? That, that's right. This is, this is normal growth. So, the ears, the nose, and the prostate are the only things that grow the rest of your life. So those symptoms that we mentioned affect about 50% of men by age 45 to 50. By age 70, it's 80% of men. 
and by age 80, it's over 90% of men will have difficulty with urination. So virtually every man at some point will uh, have an issue with this. And we mentioned, uh, you know, kind of framing this against the uh, beginning of the summer season. We're talking about all of the fun of summer and so on and so forth. Uh, this is something that, as we said, uh, impacts quality of life. You did a, a recent survey uh, on the uh, side effects uh, of this and the way it impacts quality of life. Right. Uh, and that's because what guys do, especially in these summer months coming up, they want to avoid social events. They, they want to find the nearest bathroom whenever they go to these events. They're avoiding drinking fluids, whether during the day and especially at nighttime, because they're afraid that they're going to have to use the bathroom urgently and not make it. They're also wearing different clothes. They're wearing darker clothes because mm. they're afraid to show through khaki shorts, khaki pants. Mm. Um, they get interruptions of sleep, like we said several times, but when you have sleep interruptions, you can't function the next day. Right. So your cognitive ability decreases. Yeah. So, uh, the treatments, uh, one of the things, and we want to talk about, uh, one of the treatments that you provide, uh, as a urologist, the Eurolift system procedure, and this is different from other treatments, uh, such as surgery, medications, and so on. How so, and why is this better? Okay. This is a procedure that's an outpatient procedure um, that is minimally invasive. So there's no cutting, no heating, and no removal of tissue. The other advantage is there's rapid relief of symptoms within about two to four weeks compared to the more invasive procedures can take six to 12 months with permanent sexual function associated with those uh, procedures. Medications, on the other hand, which seems like the simple way, mm -hmm. also have significant side effects. You know, they have dizziness, headaches, stuffy nose, and can affect sexual function as well. So guys are looking to avoid the medications, avoid the more invasive procedures, and do a procedure that's more minimally invasive that has no sexual side effects. So obviously a lot of advantages here, but I guess the main message uh, through all of it is that whatever course of treatment uh, a patient would choose, uh, getting treatment is important, uh, again, for all of the reasons that we were talking about earlier. Right. It, you know, men are notorious to delay their treatment. Um, they think it's all going to go away, and they kind of do the ostrich maneuver. And the very, very common, but if they put this off, it affects bladder function where the bladder is just a muscle that's trying to work to get around this prostate. And sometimes it can work too hard where it's difficult to urinate and they can't empty their bladder and require catheterization. Mm. So it's important to get earlier intervention to avoid that bladder dysfunction. Yeah, though that's the point where it goes just beyond quality of life uh, issue and really then uh, becomes a a serious medical issue uh, beyond that. Again, uh, as we mentioned, June is Men's Health Month, talking about the importance of addressing BPH in men primarily uh, age 45 plus. Dr. John Casper with us this morning. And where do folks go to get more information? You can go to Eurolift.com, uh, and on that website, there's a symptom checker, and that's a questionnaire which looks at your symptoms as mild, moderate, or severe, and if you're moderate or severe, um, it will give you also a physician locator so you can find a physician near you to help treat this problem. Very good. Folks will find a link to that website on our webpage as well. Dr. Casper, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it as well. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Uh, let's see here. Whoops. <laughs> I get all of this uh, organized here. The uh, broken news. So much broken news today. Get it all organized. Customer accused of shooting two employees at a subway shop inside an Atlanta area gas station on Sunday. 
Investigators say the customer became angry over the amount of mayonnaise on his sandwich. So he did what any reasonable person would do. Pulled out a gun and shot two employees. The suspect has been arrested. Charges have yet to be announced. (laughs) Somebody has some anger issues right there. That's speaking of uh, restaurant uh, shenanigans. A robbery happened outside of a Wendy's in Miami-Dade, Florida last week. Police say John Earl Taylor, age 34, approached his victim and asked if they would buy him some chicken nuggets as he was out of cash. The victim, though, uh, told Mr. Taylor he only had enough money to buy what he needed or what he was, you know, that's all the money that he had. I have just enough to get me lunch. I can't afford it. So he went inside the uh, restaurant, placed his order. When he came back out, Mr. Taylor was waiting for the guy with a semi-automatic gun with an extended magazine. (laughs) He really wanted his nugget. The nuggetless Mr. Taylor demanded the victim's car keys and gold chain. Uh, once they were handed over, Mr. Taylor jumped into the victim's car and drove away in it. <laughs> to make matters worse, Mr. Taylor then crashed the car after getting into a chase with police. He has been uh, charged with multiple counts, including armed robbery, armed carjacking, and driving with a suspended license, as well as fleeing and eluding police. I wonder if he got his chicken nuggets in jail. Did they, did they serve chicken nuggets in, in the slammer? I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news. Speaking of uh, food, do you hear about this new vegan burger? It tastes like human flesh. It is the... I'm not kidding about this. It was an award winner at the uh, Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity. Um, Complaints that vegan meat never really taste like real meat uh, propelled a Swedish company to create a plant-based meat that uh, doesn't taste like beef. Instead, tastes like, they say, human flesh. Uh, They... uh, They said they made it as lifelike as possible using soy, mushrooms, wheat proteins, and a mystery spice mix. Although the the company's brand leader said they were all very proud that their hard work is being rewarded, but they guaranteed that no humans were harmed in the making of their patties. (laughs) How do you know? (laughs) I don't want to know how you know what human flesh tastes like. I mean, how do you make that comparison? Uh, never mind. <laughs> and the fact that it's an award winner as well it is creative. Uh, let's see here. A lot of folks traveling. You never know what kind of crazy stuff is going to happen on your flight. A passenger traveling from Detroit to Denver was arrested after he shared an inappropriate photo of himself to everyone on the flight. A uh, viral TikTok shows the man known as Larry, that's the only thing we know about him, is called Larry, being called out by passengers and crew. Apparently, he used, like, the airdrop feature. You can send messages to everybody around you. And so he uh, took an inappropriate photo of himself and sent it to everyone on the plane. He actually confessed that, yes, he was the one who did it, claims he was just having some fun. Uh, Southwest Airlines said uh, Larry was arrested once the flight landed in Denver. They (laughs) did not see the humor in his uh, joke. (laughs) The the things that bored people will do on flights sometimes. Uh, Let's see here. A Vermont man caught on dash cam using an excavator to fend off police. Troopers were there to take his adult uh, son. Troopers had arrived at his home to take his adult son into custody. Uh, The footage uh, from the uh, dash cam video of the officers shows Wayne Tallman swinging an excavator's bucket as troopers tried to arrest his son in the driveway of his home. So both father and son were taken into custody. (laughs) 
<laughs> All righty. And uh, finally, this is just a crazy story off the uh, newswire. A top accounting firm is being fined $100 million after its employees who were part of the group that tries to keep people from cheating cheated while taking the test for certified public accountants. That's where you hire an accounting firm to ferret out any cheating financially. And uh, these employees cheated on the CPA test. The Securities and Exchange Commission said a significant number of auditors for Ernst & Young cheated on the ethics part of the exam. <laughs> and uh, other courses needed to keep their license. <laughs> you cheat on the ethics portion of the exam that's just so very wrong <laughs> I think about that the uh, sec said the company made a submission previously stating there were no issues with cheating even even after being alerted that there may have been cheating taking place but they denied it even after the sec uh showed them that they had proof they still denied it so they've been fined $100 million, the largest ever fine against an auditing firm. <laughs> so, not very good at auditing their employees, apparently. Uh, there you go. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update to the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veteran Services, we now return to you to your regularly scheduled programming. Get out your red, white, and blue. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th in downtown Finley. Registration begins at Baldwin and South Main beginning at 9 a.m. At 10 a.m., it's float and bicycle judging. And at 11 a.m., the parade kicks off heading north on Main Street. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th, beginning at 11 a.m. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Really interesting poll out from the Pew Research Center finds that Americans' views on transgender people, not exactly straightforward. On the one hand, a majority are in favor of protecting transgender individuals from discrimination. But that doesn't mean that they are on board, fully on board with the uh, transgender agenda, I guess, for lack of a better term. For example, uh, 60% of Americans in this poll believe that a person's gender is determined by their sex at birth. 60%. That number was actually 56% last year when they conducted the same poll and 54% in 2017. So the number has gone up, which I thought was kind of interesting. Younger adults and those who are Democrats or Democrat-leaning independents were more likely to say that someone can be a different gender than one uh, assigned to them at birth. 58% in the poll support requiring transgender athletes to compete in sports on teams that match their birth gender. And more than 60% say that government-issued documents like passports and driver's licenses should only include options of male and female and no other uh, options. However, the State Department did add a gender-neutral option for U.S. passports back in April. So, interesting note there. On other issues, um, 46% of those in the survey uh, were in favor of making it illegal for healthcare professionals to provide gender-affirming care to minors. 41% want it to be illegal for public school teachers to teach about gender identity in elementary schools. And 37% uh, would, uh, would back government officials investigating parents for child abuse if they help their ch uh, children, their underage children, get health care for transitioning from one gender to another. So, really, again, you go back, though, a majority of people do believe that transgender individuals should be protected from discrimination, but uh, the uh, transgender contingent, though, will find uh, a lot to be concerned about in some of those other numbers, for better or for worse. 
Fourth of July weekend is coming up, and what is better, what is more traditional in the city of Finlay than an old-fashioned Fourth of July ice cream social? It's happening on Saturday at the Hancock Historical Museum, and Sarah Sisser is with us. Uh, once again, that's kind of the highlight of July's events, uh, traditionally, the uh, ice right. cream social. That's right. It's become such a wonderful annual tradition for us. And just a quick correction, not Saturday. It is on the 4th. I'm sorry. Yes, so it on, is Monday, on, on Monday, which um, I know has us all kind of skewed since the holiday is actually <laughs> we on a Monday. Talking, we were just talking uh, before we went on the air, talking about all of the things that are going on. For the and holiday we got weekend, a big, yeah. yeah, thing going on in, uh, with the uh, family on Saturday. So that's where I, why my mindset was on that. Uh, on Saturday, but it is actually on the 4th. It is on the 4th on Monday, um, and we'll do it, we always do it right after the parade, the city's parade. So go down and enjoy the parade, mm-hmm. um, and then you can actually walk back up to the museum. Um, you can park at the museum and walk down to the parade if you like. Uh, our ice cream social will go from 12.30 to 2.30 this year, and we always have Dietz's ice cream, which is fun because you, Dietz's is not open that day, so if you'd like to get your fill of Dietz's, again, you as you mentioned, what's more American, <laughs> what's more Finley than Dietz's ice cream on the 4th of July? So there you go. come and enjoy some Dietz's ice cream. Um, we'll have root beer floats available and um, ice cream bars and, and just plain Dietz's ice cream. Um, we will also have the museum open and free admission to everyone that day. We have plenty of children's activities planned. Um, so just a great way to come through with the family. If you've not seen a couple of our new exhibits, again, talk about Americana. We have an exhibit on the 1950s in Finley, um, which is which is great. And then a 1960s exhibit and the rock bands that were here locally. So if you haven't seen either one of those, a great opportunity to come through and, and see those. And that 1960s exhibit is really fun because it's interactive. So if you have a smartphone, you could scan the QR codes and actually listen to some of the recordings of the rock bands that were here during the 60s. So Very cool. if you happen to have also been here during the 60s, it will definitely be a fun walk down memory lane for you. Yeah, so uh, make sure that that is a part of your 4th of July weekend because it is uh, an event not to be missed. And of course, uh, like we said, uh, after the uh, ice cream social, you go and and check out the museum and all of that stuff. So just just a a great way to spend the afternoon. Again, 1230 to 230 on Monday. Okay, Uh, so with that, no brown bag lunch uh, on uh, the first week of uh, of July. You typically have that the first Thursday of uh, of the month, but that one won't be happening. Uh, you do have a classic movie night coming up in July. That's right. That's always uh, the third Friday of the month. And this month, that's the 15th. Uh, we start the movie at seven o'clock. And this month, the movie is The Time Machine. So we have several films this year. We sort of have this um, unofficial theme this year at the museum of mid-century modern and the 19, you know, mid 40s through uh, the 1960s. And so this is one of several films we have this year from that era. And uh, so if you've not been before to Classic Movie Night, it's a great date night. It's a great time. Um, We have discussion beforehand and give you some contextual information about the history of the film. Mm -hmm. And then you can stick around afterwards if you like and go through some um, guided discussion about the movie. It's free and open to the public. And we always have refreshments as well. It's going to be a good time. So circle that on the uh, calendar. Those are really the only things happening uh, in the month of July special events. But you do have one uh, coming up uh, in September that already starting to plan for. Well, you've been planning for it for a while. <laughs> we do. But. We planned the better part of a year for this one, and that is, of course, Oktoberfest Finley. That is our largest fundraiser of the year for the Hancock Historical Museum. It's also one of, if not the largest single-day event in our region. So um, we typically, the last few years... Uh, outside of 2020, of course, have seen about 6,000 people come downtown for that single day event. Um, it is family friendly. We have a huge children's area at that event, but it takes an army of volunteers to pull off <laughs> yeah. an event like that. And yeah. so we already have our volunteer sign up, which is digital. You can go online and sign up to work a shift. Um, would love to have you help us out. Again, an army of volunteers, a community really helps us to pull this together. Give an idea of some of the things that you need volunteer help for. What do you would be asking uh, volunteers to do? Sure. So throughout the day, as early as I think, um, well, I'm down there at about 6 a.m., but we need people <laughs> to help set up, uh, which would include um, some heavy lifting, but also tables and chairs, um, fencing. And then we need people to work throughout the day, different shifts um, to help take money at admissions, uh, to do tickets of beer beer sales, and mm-hmm. also to serve the beer. Um, so those are the primary things we need. We also need okay. people to help with the children's activities um, and to work at the um, 
merchandise booth and also at the contest stage. So there's really kind of something for everyone. Um, again, a family-friendly event. If you volunteer with us, you get a volunteer t-shirt and free admission to the event. So come work a shift and then enjoy the, the festival or vice versa. And um, again, we would just so appreciate your help. It takes a, the full community to help pull off something like this. And you can go on our website at HancockHistoricalMuseum.org or OctoberFestFinley.com. We have our own website for the event um, and see the volunteer sign up there. Uh, the link for that. Also, you can follow us on Facebook, either the museum or Oktoberfest Finley. Now, you mentioned this is the biggest fundraiser that you do during the course of the year. So what are those funds used for then? Sure. Well, a lot of people don't realize that our museum is entirely privately funded. So we mm -hmm. don't receive any public tax dollars to operate our museum. Um, we have nine buildings that we're responsible for, and our programming touches over 20,000 people a year, including more than 4,000 Hancock County school children. So just about every Every third, fourth, and fifth grader comes through our facilities every year um, as part of field trips. Um, and our programming really ranges uh, in age from, you know, preschoolers all the way up through, you know, seniors and continuing educational programs. So for us to be able to keep the doors open, keep those programs affordable and or free to the public, we really need the support of our community. And uh, again, Oktoberfest, the main way that you do that, is there a deadline to sign up for, for volunteers or a time where you would it would be really good to have everybody <laughs> in place? Well, it'd be great to have everybody in place yes, yesterday. The, yes, the <laughs> earlier the better. Yeah. Um, you can sign up really up until a week before the event, but okay. there are definitely, I can see some more preferable shifts that people really like to do, or they like to volunteer with a whole group of friends. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's better to sign up earlier so you can kind of get where you'd like to be. And a lot uh, easier on on you, obviously. Yes, so. it definitely makes the planning and logistics easier <laughs> for us. So I would love for people to go and um, check out what's available for volunteer spots and, and just uh, give us a helping hand that day. It would be so much appreciated. So circle that date on the calendar for... September 24th is Oktoberfest. And again, the volunteer sign-up is available now. Okay. And again, don't forget that the ice cream social happening on the 4th of July on Monday, beginning right after the uh, parade downtown. At 1230. Yep. All right. So going to be a great... Uh, great time at the Hancock Historical Museum. Hope to see lots of folks there. Again, uh, Sarah Sisser with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by. We Thanks, appreciate Chris. it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, this 4th of July will be the first under a new Ohio law legalizing many types of consumer fireworks. How concerned are safety officials that this could lead to a big jump in the number of accidents and injuries? Of the safety advice you need to know. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.